This is Fundraising Radio, and today's guest speaker we have Sean Randolph, founder and CEO of SoTech Ventures. And today we're going to talk about grants, gain access to free capital, basically, through philanthropical organizations. So, Sean, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on SoTech Ventures. Great. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me, and uh, I'll just jump right into it. So, my background is definitely probably one of the more non-traditional pathways into the investment world. I actually started my career in the nonprofit sector, uh, worked in Skid Row, uh, worked in some some other major cities, um, whether it was social services organizations related to homeless services or youth development or veterans affairs. I kind of got into all those different spaces, um, but was kind of uh, influenced away from the nonprofit sector got into entrepreneurship, uh, started a number of tech platforms several years ago, and uh, eventually got frustrated with the lack of access to capital that many founders often experience. Um, Obviously, VCs have a very strict and narrow profile for what type of companies that they're looking for. And I, I don't know if every entrepreneur knows this or admits this yet, but every company is not going to be a unicorn. Um, And just because you don't create a unicorn doesn't mean your company isn't worth funding or isn't worth being successful. If you create a potentially successful $10 million company, that's great. A $50 million company, great, you know, so on and so forth. Um, All that to say, as I kind of learned the ins and outs of how the startup world works and how the venture capital world works, I decided to leverage my background in the nonprofit sector, specifically my understanding of grants um, in order to come up with a new investment model uh, where for-profit entities could learn to transition assets back and forth between for-profit and nonprofit structures, corporate structures, in order to gain eligibility and accessibility to uh, non-dilutive grant dollars. So that is the business model that uh, started SoTech Ventures. SoTech Ventures has been active and actively using that model for maybe about three or four years now. And at Mm -hmm. this point, we advise a number of institutional investors on how they can help their portfolio companies to utilize this strategy in order to get growth capital. And then we also advise startups directly and help them learn various ways that they can partner with nonprofits in order to indirectly access grant dollars as well. So that's the super summarized version of my background and and what it is SoTech Ventures does. So you said, you mentioned something really interesting in the last sentence. You said partnering up with nonprofits to get access to grant dollars. Do you mean Mm -hmm. that by uh, partnering up with nonprofits that invest in your startup, right? Yes. So so let me give a little bit of clarity around that. So if you're a founder uh, right now, and I'll even you know, uh, go into the the current economic conditions a bit. Um, We have the whole coronavirus situation happening. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're a founder right now. Uh, Capital markets have kind of tightened up again, as they typically do during economic downturns and during a crisis. Um, Let's say you were right in the middle of raising a a pre-seed round or a Series A or something like that. You were having great conversations with investors. And then all of a sudden they said, hey, can we put these conversations on hold? We need to reassess, so on and so forth. Well, depending on the type of startup you have, um, and I would say most of them are capable of doing this, there is more than likely a 
socially impactful application of your technology that you may or may not have thought of already. So to give an example, let's say just picking an example out of thin air, let's say you have a fintech company um, that in some way, shape or form serves people who uh, typically don't get access to financial knowledge or investments or something like that. And you had investors lined up, but those things are on pause now. What our strategy would teach or advise a startup like that to do is to identify nonprofits that have charitable missions that align with the potential social impact of your technology. So if you're a fintech company, finding a nonprofit that maybe serves communities through uh, financial literacy or serves communities through micro lending or something like that, something that's collaborative with your technology. And the value proposition is this, the nonprofit sector grossly underutilizes technology. So they always need new tools, particularly technology tools that will allow them to better serve communities. And meanwhile, you have these entrepreneurs out here who are underfunded, who are looking for traction, who are looking for first customers. It's kind of a match made in heaven. So what we would typically do is maybe help uh, structure an agreement between that nonprofit and that FinTech company, let's say a technology licensing agreement where the startup licenses licenses its technology to the nonprofit for free and um and and structures that license in a way where any improvements that nonprofit makes to the technology the startup still owns it meanwhile the nonprofit entity now that they have licensed this technology they can go to their existing donor base ideally grant makers and say hey we've had this program that we've run for the last 5 10 15 years that has allowed us to serve 300 people in the community but we've recently licensed a new technology that will increase our capacity to serve people from 300 to 3000 will you increase your giving to us uh, from 20,000 a year to 50,000 a year so we can further build out this technology and distribute it throughout the region or what have you. So that's the value proposition that the nonprofit gets. They get the ability to ask for larger checks from philanthropists because their, uh, their scope of service has increased. Meanwhile, the startup is going to benefit because as that nonprofit uses those extra dollars to build out that technology, to distribute it to their you know clients, so on and so forth, that that uh, new technology is still owned by the startup. So they've essentially subsidized technology development without having to come out of pocket or raise around or things like that. So that's a quick example of how a public private partnership could be structured. Got it. So you mentioned philanthropists. And to be honest, for me, that word associates with someone who is a billionaire and who tries to save some tigers in Africa, uh, it's just an example <laughs> off the top of my head. But for me, it's really yeah. hard to connect philanthropy and startup world. So how, how do you find those philanthropists that are willing to write a check like an angel investor, but without actually taking a chunk of your company? Where do you find them except for you know uh, big platforms with grants available there? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the unique aspect of our structure is that we're not actually asking the philanthropist to do anything different or new. We're asking them to just continue funding the nonprofits that we that they typically fund. How the startup gets involved is essentially by becoming a vendor or a, mm -hmm. a partner to that nonprofit. So when that nonprofit gets a grant from a from a philanthropist, a line item of that grant will allow some of that capital to go to the startup. So it's not really a direct investment relationship. 
which like you said, a philanthropist, you know, they, they wouldn't want to do that through a foundation. So once again, right. I give kind of an example. Um, we'll, we'll take the biggest, you know, foundation that most people know of, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Like you said, you know, you're not going to go on to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and try to find something where to get the foundation to invest in your startup. That's unrealistic. But what you could do is go onto the website and possibly find a database of all the nonprofits that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has funded over the last, you know, say two years mm -hmm. and you find a nonprofit within that database once again that has a charitable mission that could that can benefit from whatever technology it is you're building you approach that nonprofit you pitch the value of your technology and how it can enhance what they're already doing and if you can get them to uh you know establish a public private partnership with you then next time they go to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for their next grant, because most people don't realize grants are typically given out, you know, year over year, maybe every two years. So once a nonprofit has gotten funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, it's probably going to continue to get funded year after year. So your objective as the mm -hmm. startup is to insert yourself into the budget of the nonprofit so that each year that the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, foundation funds that nonprofit, a portion of that grant money is going toward your technology or distributing, you know, your uh, distributing your technology or building out your infrastructure in some way, shape or form. And, and really quickly, I think it's important to note, I know some people who maybe aren't familiar with the interaction between nonprofits and poor for profits may yeah, feel <laughs> like, oh, man, that sounds kind of shady or something like that. But the fact of the matter is, as long as the value you're adding to that nonprofit allows them to further enhance their ability to serve their charitable mission, everything is, you know, everything for the most part is set. And, and the second factor I'll say is this, so long as uh, partnering with you is not enriching any individuals at the nonprofit, it's, it's going to the service of the community or to the, you know, whatever people group or demographic, you know, or even like you said, you know, as, as long as it's serving the tigers and the lions that the nonprofit <laughs> serves, you know, it's, it's absolutely acceptable. So it's just a matter of, you know, understanding the IRS guidelines, understanding the charitable mission, and understanding the mission of the foundation. And when you find a match where all three of those aspects are aligned, then there's definitely plenty of opportunities for uh, startups to benefit. That's that's a great strategy. I really, really like it. So it sounds like uh, when you have to reach out to nonprofit and pitch your idea, pitch how much value you can add to this, to, to this nonprofit, it sounds like you're making a sales call, right? So how, how, how should it be done? How should you approach those nonprofits that you might be beneficial for? Great question. Yeah. So you're, you're right in that there is definitely kind of a sales element to it. How, and, and to be fair, you know, that's really the value where SoTech Ventures often uh, brings to the table when we work with companies that we advise. So this is where I leverage and my colleagues leverage their understanding and their background as grant writers. So anyone who's ever been in the nonprofit sector knows that the quickest way to get a nonprofit to partner with you is to offer them free grant writing. You know, uh, grant mm -hmm. nonprofits are often understaffed. Oftentimes they don't have enough resources. And grant writing is one of the most valuable commodities in the nonprofit world. And so when we advise a startup, what we do is, you know, and let me back up for a second to, to address your point. 
if you on your own as a startup person approach a nonprofit, yeah, it's going to have to be kind of a sales call. You're going to have to pitch them what you're doing. You're going to have to pitch why it's valuable to work with them. And you're going to have to pitch to them that this is not going to continue to stretch their team too thin or anything like that. But if you were to approach them through us as your advisor, what we would do is we would probably go to that nonprofit and say, hey, we have this technology. We believe that uh, it will enhance your ability to complete your charitable mission. We believe that it will, it will increase your capacity to get grant dollars. And on top of all that, we're willing to come in on a pro bono basis and write those grant proposals for you with uh, you know, ABC Startup as a line item within that grant budget. So not only are we helping the nonprofit get more money, we're also making sure that they're not having to do more work. So that's kind of our way around, you know, as you mentioned, the, the sales aspect of it. But, you know, for, for those who approach nonprofits on their own, even though it is kind of a sales call, it's still a very good value proposition. So it's just a matter of finding a nonprofit that uh, value. That sounds great. And I, I totally love that strategy, to be quite honest. So let's go to talking about who is basically eligible for this. Actually, no, never mind. You already told told us uh, who is eligible for this. Basically, anyone who can provide any sort of uh, value to those nonprofits. But let's talk about exactly. uh, steps that you should take to, to do this. So first things first, you need to identify what's your value, right? Then what what did you do next? Yeah, so um, the the first I, I would actually back it up a little bit, and the first thing sure. would be to accept, uh, assess your technology or assess your product. Does your product or technology have an inherent socially impactful element? You know, kind of built into its DNA. You know, for instance, if your startup is, you know, for instance, if you're if you're you're a social network startup there's not really a lot of social impact at least, and maybe that's my biased opinion, but there's not really a lot of social impact there for you to pitch to a nonprofit. Oh, my social network is somehow going to help you enhance your mission. So you really need to start with, are you creating something that can be used, you know, and not sound corny or anything, but this is real. Are you, have you created something that can be used to make the world a better place? If the answer to that question is yes, then you need to find out what nonprofit out there is trying to tackle that same problem. And then, then it gets to the step you mentioned of kind of matchmaking and figuring out how you can collaborate with that nonprofit or multiple nonprofits. Um, beyond that, uh, it's pretty much a matter of being able to know, you'd have to know some information about how technology licensing works. You'd have to know information about how fundraising and grant writing works. You'd have to really educate yourself on a lot of those topics. And to be frank, it would be a bit overwhelming, which is why uh, one of the things my company has done is created an online curriculum, a free online curriculum. I'll emphasize that. I'm not pitching anything, you know, to, to make money, <laughs> good, good, good. but we have a free, <laughs> we have a free online curriculum uh, that teaches people the ins and outs of public private partnerships. And so, you know, I, I'll be more than happy to share links about that and all that later. But, you know, in the event that there's founders out there that don't really understand how the nonprofit for profit worlds interact, or they don't really have all the knowledge around grant writing and IRS regulations and so on and so forth. Once they get past those first two steps of assessment and matchmaking, they're going to need to get some education on the public-private partnership front. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have some free resources to help them do that. 
that's great. I'll definitely publish the links to those resources in the description of this episode. So take a look at them. Uh, and you have cool. said, it sounds like matchmaking process is really hard here. So once you identify what value you bring, you need to find this, the nonprofit that does the same thing. Do you have any sort mm -hmm. of set of tools that can help uh, founders do that? Or do they have to do it manually through Google? Yeah, great question. Um, so it is really a manual process, but it's also a matter of knowing what tools to use. So once again, me having been a former grant writer and fundraiser and nonprofit professional, I would use websites like GuideStar, websites like Charity Na Navigator. One of the biggest benefits of trying to deal with or do business with the nonprofit sector is that so much of their information is public. Um, because they're nonprofits, they're not really allowed to have trade secrets or anything like that. Well, mm -hmm. there, there may be caveats where they can, but for the most part, mm -hmm. everything about a nonprofit is going to be publicly available right. knowledge. So to your point about matchmaking, what I would do hypothetically is maybe go on to GuideStar. You can search nonprofits based on location, based on mission, based on sector. You know, are they economic development nonprofits? Are they youth development nonprofits? Are they focused on saving the rainforest? You can kind of search based on those criteria in order to narrow down a bit and find nonprofits that fit or align with whatever your product or technology is. Then once you find some, you're probably going to have to go through those 990s one by one in order to get a sense of the financial strength of not those nonprofits. Because the key is to partner with a nonprofit that already has a track record of getting uh, funding from foundations. If you partner with, you know, and actually that brings up, that reminds me of a good point. A lot of people, the first thing they think of when I explain this whole public-private partnership thing is they say, oh, we'll just start a sister nonprofit to our startup and that while our nonprofit arm goes out for grants, our startup will go after venture capital. There's a lot of problems with trying to do things that way. Number one, if you do go that way, you're gonna have to have completely separate boards of directors, oh, yeah. completely separate leaderships, completely separate teams because the nonprofit cannot engage in anything that would be a conflict of interest or that uh, would be once again helping to personally enrich any individual. And so once you install those two separate teams, well, you, you lose control anyway. So now you have a nonprofit right. that you can't tell them what to do yeah. because they have their own board and so on and so forth. So that's not really a good idea. The other problem is new nonprofits are very, very hard to get grant dollars. Grants go typically go to nonprofits that at least have been around three to five years at the very least. So once again, going back to GuideStar, I'd be going through nonprofit 990s, finding out how long have they been in existence? How long have they been applying for grants? How many years have they been successfully getting grants? How much in grants do they get each year? Are they getting 50K a year? Are they getting 5 million a year? Are they getting 50 million a year? And the idea is to find the most financially robust nonprofit to partner with because it's much, easy, it's much easier to uh, you know, carve out a space for yourself as a startup founder um, with as a line item within a nonprofit that's already getting 50 million a year in grants versus trying to partner with a nonprofit that's getting $5,000 a year in grants. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah, all that to say the matchmaking process, I wouldn't say it's hard, but it is tedious. Of course. Right. I mean, it's sort of a fundraising process and any fundraising yep. is tough. It takes time. You have to be precise. You have to work on this. Exactly. It cannot be done in a few days. 
like many founders trying exactly. to do. Exactly. And I think this this was great. I think he brought a new fundraising source, basically that I have never heard of, to be quite honest. And I love it. Mm. I think that creating partnerships with uh, nonprofits is a really great source of revenue for a startup, especially an early stage startup. And yeah, I think we're gonna wrap it up here because I'm running out of questions and I don't want to take any much of your time or of our speakers. I think we've got to the main point. We're gonna include uh, links to those uh, resources that you've mentioned because it seems like they can simplify this process a lot. And sure. thanks, Sean, for for sharing this strategy. I love it. Love to hear new new stuff. Absolutely. I'll I'll uh, wrap it up with kind of one last sure. little statement, which is um, I be- I truly believe, and the whole reason I started So Tech Ventures is that I believe public private partnerships are going to entirely change the dynamics of fundraising for entrepreneurs. Um, right now, when when if somebody decides tomorrow they're going to be an entrepreneur, the first thing they usually Google is how to raise venture capital or how to raise right. you know how to find <laughs> angel investors. That's become yep. such a ingrained part of the startup culture that people Absolutely. don't even recognize how broken the angel investing and the venture capital investing systems are. They don't even recognize how usurious you know um those those models are and and the idea that you can start a company and by the end of it being quote unquote successful you can be kicked out as ceo you know you can you know completely lose control of it because of the same investors that help you get it funding in the beginning Mm -hmm. essentially take it from you in the end and these are all things that entrepreneurs accept these days because that's the only option that was available our whole concept is we're providing new options and bringing new options to the table that will allow entrepreneurs to maintain control of their businesses, maintain, you know, their their role in the businesses. And ultimately, if they choose to completely decide to, you know, sidestep the venture capital world altogether. So that's my last thought on that. That's great. And I love this wrap up. I will say no more. Just thank you, Sean, for coming out, for sharing your experience, for sharing this strategy. And have a great day. No problem. Thanks for having me. You really thought it's the end of the episode? Nope, not yet. In these uncertain times, when a weird virus is spinning out of control, and investors are trying to figure out where to put their money and not to lose it all, I have an answer. Invest in human capital. I will be among the first 10 people to participate in something called human IPO. So shortly about how it works. You can buy futures on my time now when it costs just $100 per hour. And when I become Mark Zuckerberg 2.0 and my time is worth uh, $1,000 per hour, you can sell it or redeem it, either making 10x return or bringing me to your firm as an advisor or speaker for a few hours. My offering is not live yet, so now you can only subscribe to my updates. But please do so and become the first one to buy my time when my offering goes live. To sum it up, in dark days, buy time, not toilet paper, and your money won't be flushed into the toilet. I'll leave a link to my profile on Human IPO in the description of this episode, and thanks again for listening to Fundraising Radio.